Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's stand for the reading of the word. If you don't know where it is, go to the middle of the Bible, to the Psalms, then go back a few books and you write at Nachamiach. That's where you'll be. That's his name. That's how you really say it. All right. We're going to read 1 through 4 in chapter 1, and we're going to dig in this text. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliach. Now it happened in the month of Cheslev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived uh, the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Amen to the word of God. Well, we're in Nehemiah now, and I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about what God is calling us to within the framework of this series. Now, because there is a lot of people here that are not familiar with Christianity, we have people that don't believe in Jesus that come here on Sundays. We have people that are new to Jesus Christ that come on Sundays, and people who didn't grow up in any type of church culture, so you can't just say you know the story. Are you with me? So, I, so those of you who I got some more herbs and spices on you, that you've been a Christian a little longer, you know what I'm saying, a little more seasoned, bear with me like Paul says, for a little while, because what I want to do is I want to make sure I explain a lot about several things. I want to explain how to view Jesus in the Old Testament. That's number one. That's the number and most part, how to view the gospel in the Old Testament. That's number two. I want to talk about uh, uh, the connectivity of the story to the grand theme of what God has been doing, has done, and will do. And so, and so, and so, we, and we're going to connect it so that people can get an understanding, and that we can be and do what God has called us to do. Say, rebuilt to build. Again, rebuilt to build. One more time for the Holy Spirit. Rebuilt to build. That's what the name of our series is going to be. Rebuilt to build. You can't build anything with God until you have been built by God. Many people have a lot of dreams and visions and passions to be used by the Lord Jesus Christ. But until God has invaded your life and has transformed you, that's why many times in many of our lives, our attempts at building stuff doesn't work. Because we haven't submitted to the ultimate general contractor, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ to help us to be built so that we can be builders ourselves. Nehemiah is nestled in what's called the second temple period. The second temple period was a particular time in which um, we mark time in uh, Tanakh or Old Testament law prophet writings history where the people of God are on the back end of exile. Exile happened because God had given them a mission, and we'll talk about that later. The people of God, he gave them a mission. And when he gave the people of God the mission, they flunked by becoming massive idolaters. And idolatry is worshiping anyone, anything, or any place instead of God. That's idolatry. And so whenever anything gets in the place 
of where God should be in the lives of his people, he does something in particular. First, he calls them to repentance, say repentance. Now, if they don't repent, he pulls out a belt. God pulls out a belt. He don't ask no questions. He just takes the belt off, and he begins to thrashing his shirt. All the kids in here like, oh, no, God does it too. Mom and daddy and God. That's just a beat down forever, right? But, 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 but God, God spanks his children. He gives his children a whipping because he loves them. But what's interesting in Jeremiah, what happened is Jeremiah was called, he's called, often called the weeping prophet. And he's the pre-exilic prophet before they went into exile, and he prophesied them into exile. Jeremiah was given one of the most depressing ministries of all of the prophets in the Old Testament. He, he was going to preach to a decreasing church. I wish I had some help. He, he, was going to, he was going to multiply the church through subtraction. And what God told him in chapter 1, verses 3 through 10 is, I know you're a young buck, but I've called you to do several things. I've called you to tear down and to build and to uproot and to plant. Your prophetic ministry and preaching ministry is going to be to take my children prophetically from where they are into the promised land and to putting them into a land that I didn't promise them, and I'm going to spank them for 77 years. I'm going to whip their behinds for 77 years. I'm going to tear their behind up for 77 years. But during that period of time, Jeremiah, I want you to give them some things to let them know that I still love them, that I'm still with them, that I, I wish I had some help, that I still cared for them. In the midst of me tearing their behinds up, they're still supposed to represent my name. Because the, seek the peace of the city in which I've sent you. For in their peace, you will find peace. Then he, then he says, give them verse 11. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. Talking about God's people. He, he tells them, he, he's, he's whipping them. Telling them, I got plans for you. Ain't that crazy? How can you imagine your parent beating you and telling you, I got plans for you. You know I love you, and I'm going to give you a future and a hope. And guess what he did? It He did it with a belt. But God, but, but what's interesting is while they were under the discipline of the Lord, he still required them to represent him. That's what's beautiful about the God of heaven is that whenever he gets after you, he gets after you with purpose. But, but, but after he gets after him, he, now, now we have three waves now. And 77 years are over, Babylon, they went in Babylonian captivity, from Babylonian captivity uh, to Persia came, and Neo-Persia came in and took over, and they took Babylon into captivity. They not only took Babylon into captivity, but they also took all of the captives of the nations um, that, that they had taken into captivity, held on to them, and boom, at the end of it, God begins saying, all right, the, the spanking's over. Y'all can go back to Jerusalem. Y'all can go back to Judea. Y'all can go to those surrounding areas. And, 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 and they start going back. So your man Ezra sends the first wave in Ezra. He's the first wave of people to go back. Then you have Nehemiah. Then at the end of Haggai, the last verse, you see that Haggai also through Zerubbabel sent them back. So you see all of these cousin books together. Y'all trekking with me? All right, I just want to make sure we get this thing. So during, during this period, you got, you got, you got your man um, Nehemiah. He's writing. This is his memoirs. This is his journal. The book of Nehemiah is the journal of God's work to restore and reconcile and rebuild God's people. It's his, it's his journal that God the Spirit uses. You got Ezra, but then you got Malachi, you got Haggai, Zephaniah, and Zechariah prophesying during this particular period of time to encourage God's people and to give them hope. 
And so what this is, is this is a point in redemptive history. Say redemptive history. Good, son. Good, son. That's good. I saw you. Redemptive history. Redemptive history is God's work among his people where he consistently enters time and intervenes to honor and glorify his name through snatching some people for his name's sake. I like that. And so now Nehemiah is a part of that redemptive history in which we're going to see Jesus. Jesus says, you uh, he, he, he told his Pharisees in John chapter 5, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you find eternal life, but all of them, all of them speak of me. So, so that means that on the Emmaus Road when Jesus was talking to them cats and he, he, he did what the old preachers did, he called a roll. Now, when the old preacher at the end of the message called a roll, he's basically walking you through Tanakh, letting you know how Jesus is pictured in every book of the Bible. He's basically trying to give you an Emmaus Road experience. So there has been gospel-centered preaching in inner-city communities. It just didn't happen on the big stage. Somebody ought to hear me. Anyway, that's another sermon. Um, and, so, and, so, and so now we got, we, walk, we got Jesus in Luke 24 walking them through how he looks in every book of the Bible. I wish I could have been, been there. To see Jesus talking about, oh, up in Genesis, I'm looking like this. Up in Exodus, I'm looking like this. Up in Deuteronomy, Cass was on the road like, yeah, that's crazy. They got up in Nehemiah, he's like, whoa, whoa. Them dudes was burning, then all of a sudden he disappeared. Then he said, did not our hearts burn? As he spoke to us from the scriptures along the way. So we're going to see how Jesus pictures himself in Nehemiah. Because if you preach anything in the Old Testament and you don't come up with Jesus, it's not a Christian message. And so, and, so, and, so, and so here in this passage, we see the book is named Nehemiah. Say Nehemiah. The word Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. It's that beautiful. That's why I named my youngest son Nehemiah, because we were going through a time where God comforted us. So we named him that Yahweh comforts. It's interesting. Who gives you a whipping then comforts you? <laughs> Ain't that something? Ain't that something? God is so good that he'll spank you. Then he'll, then, then, he'll, then he'll say, then he'll say, come here, come here. He'll say, come here. It's all right. He'll say, it's all right now. It hurt, didn't it? Yeah, it hurt. I know I tore you up. But you know I just did it because I love you. Now let's get ready to rebuild. Don't do it no more, okay? Don't do it no more. You're going to get beat down again. Then I'll have to comfort you the same way again, <laughs> right? And that's, that's the way God is. God comforts his people after he whips them. Why? Because they are going to begin experiencing in the promised land, the consequences of their sin and seeing what their sin caused in relation to not the wrath of God, but the discipline of God, because lost people experience God's wrath, found people experience his discipline. You're gonna get, somebody going to get that on the way home. But when they get there and they see the consequences of their sin, somebody going to need comfort. Because in Psalm 126, they read, which call when they're coming back into the promised land, they would read these psalms and they would say them aloud. They call the psalms of ascent. And these psalms were beautiful psalms that would encourage the people on the holy day. So whenever they were making pilgrimages uh, back or to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. And the priest or the high priest would read out, the, would sing these songs. Um, but this is one that they sang probably when they saw this destruction, they, uh, before they saw the destruction. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. 
like streams in the Negev or the southern country. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. They were on the outskirts of the promised land, making their pilgrimages back. And they would, Jerusalem is lifted up on a big old mountain and is usually surrounded by walls. And you could see it from miles away and they would begin singing. Some of them, would, the priests would begin singing, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he would ask the people a question, where does my help come from? Because he's not looking at the hills for help. He's looking somewhere else for help. He says, he says my help, then they, they respond, my help comes from the Lord. Why? Because there were robbers in the hills. And as they're making travel, they didn't, have, they didn't have debit cards back then. All your loot was on you. And so, and, so, and so you had to have some protection all the way back. And you had to be sure. But they said, we can have all of the gaps we want if God is in our protection. We, we, we don't have any protection at all. And so they began to sing this, and they're going back, and they get back, and they see their place in shambles. Nehemiah's brother and all of them are broken about the circumstances and nature of the city in which God has sent them. Some of them rolled back um, to Susa, um, the capital uh, of Neo-Persia back then, and they came back, and Nehemiah's like, yo, what's good with the fam? Look at it in verse 2. He says that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped and who survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province had, who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. So interesting about this is now he's experiencing and seeing the consequences of God's people and their sins. But it's beautiful links here. Now, remember, God, God has given, me, given us the grace to do a 24-month preaching calendar based on where God is taking us. It's very important. 24 months. So the, kind of the next 24 months, it's kind of laid out where God wants us to go. And what's interesting in looking back at our Ephesians series and linking it with this one, there are a lot of beautiful ministry and Jesus links to this book of the Bible. What are some links? It's the unified effort of God's work among his people. Ephesians 2.10, you are my workmanship created for Christ Jesus for good works beforehand that you should walk in them. So, it's, but that's right. But listen, that's right after he saves them. Because in eight, verses 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God that no man should boast. So right after God saves you, he requires representation of him. We'll see how that's, an, that's not a New Testament principle. That's a broad Bible principle. But the mission of God through his people is rooted in their identity in him. Ephesians 3 says, we exist to do what? To, to display the manifold wisdom of God among the rulers, under unseen rulers uh, and seen rulers in the heavenly places. And then we see the people are redeemed to represent. Say redeemed to represent. Redeemed means God purchases you, he saves you, and then anoints you to represent him. When you see that in verse 16 of chapter 5, he says, redeem the times for the day are, days are evil. In other words, God's people of all times have always been called to represent his reign on planet Earth. If you don't believe me, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is interesting. Again, we're giving a breath background to, the, to this series that we're going through. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, he said, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number 
than the other people, the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest among his people. Listen, Nehemiah is frustrated and broken about this, and they're broken about this because they're not living out their original purpose that God had purposed them. And so God, mission, missions, missions never began in the New Testament. It began in Genesis. It began in Genesis when Adam got lost and God went looking for him. Man didn't come looking for God. But interestingly enough, missions actually started in eternity past because the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. So the working act of missions has always been the heart of God, but he wants to uniquely graft a people to be his people to the world, to show off who he is. Now, what I like about this passage is he said y'all wouldn't fly. I like the way Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says not many of y'all were noble. Not many of y'all were the cool people. Y'all wasn't in the in crowd. But listen, God likes to choose people that have nothing. God likes to choose people that got an awkward swag, which means you don't have any. Um, <laughs> God, you know what I'm saying? God likes me. You know why? Because when his swagger gets on you, the swagger that you show is his, not yours. And so God has appointed, and he loves and Some of y'all are geeks. Some of y'all are awkward, relationally awkward. Some of y'all are weird. And know why God is going to use that because people know you're like that. Amen. And what's going to happen is as God transforms you and makes you look more like him, people will know something beyond you about you. So when God appointed Israel and set them aside, he says, I set my love on you. In other words, you, didn't st- you weren't seeking for me. You didn't set your love on me. That's, that's the way the gospel works. He says, for you were the fewest of all peoples. He says, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your father, talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So what is that pointing back to? Everything points to Jesus. So when they walked through the water, that was baptism. When they got out and the enemies got washed away, that was Jesus dealing with the enemies and saving them. And so they're pointing to, it ultimately points to the work of Jesus Christ saving his people. He points them back to that as the point of reference that, that that's God inaugurating his transformational, redemptive work among his people to make them his. So know therefore that the Lord your God is your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Steadfast love is the word chesed. Say chesed. That means God's loyal love towards his people. With those who love him and keep his commandments to thousands of generations. Deuteronomy 12 says, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all the tribes to put his name, and make his habitation there. This is an old song by Tremaine Hawkins where she quotes this verse in Psalm 4610. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. In other words, the reason why God chose Israel was that he wanted them to display who he was to the earth based on them being in a relationship with him. And so that continues in the way God has handled the people of God of all times. So go back to Nehemiah. The reason why there is such a disparage that's happening among Nehemiah and them is because this representation has waned. 
And because of the waning of this representation, there's only a remnant of people. It means a small group of people that God has drafted to continue to represent them. But, 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 but this is interesting as we look at Nehemiah because it says they were in the province. It says they were in the province who survived. And the exiles are in trouble and shame. And the wall of Jerusalem has been broken down. With the wall of Jerusalem being broken down, that was a sign of defenselessness. It was open to shame and open to ridicule and open to a beatdown. In other words, it would be like in the, uh, some of y'all too young to remember the arms race. You know what I'm saying? The arms race, you know, we're saying, all right, we're going to make some more, more nuclear bombs. All right, then they say, we're going to make some more nuclear bombs. Then you're going to make some nuclear bombs. But everybody's making all of these nuclear bombs so that you won't go to war with them because you know what I got, packing. See, if your walls ain't up of a city, it means you ain't packing nothing because you've been plundered. And so basically the people felt reckless and without help. It would have been, been like when my sister was right outside the Pentagon and my nephew, who happens to be older than me, was in the Pentagon. And when the plane crashed into the Pentagon and the joint just exploded, rocket, the fuel all out burning up the building, my sister was talking about the look on people's faces walking from all, walking out of Alexandria, Virginia to D.C. I mean, it was disparaged, it was rubble, it was dust, it was desperation, and it was brokenness. Because of what they seen happen, their defenses getting totally broken down. It would have been like when uh, Katrina uh, hit uh, New Orleans and how people were reacting and waving on the top of windows with, with their dog and a little bit of clothes and water, dirty water everywhere, dogs pedaling in the water, people trying to drive through. It it, this, was a, this was a bad situation. It would have been like like the tsunami that hit southern Asia and the reaction of the people there. This was a bad and beastly time. But what's interesting is that this a theology of Jerusalem even furthers helping our understanding of what God is calling us to do as a church. And we're going to bring it down in a second. But in order to understand this, you got to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Y'all still trekking with me? Again, we're just building a foundation, Matthew 5. Loving seeing these kids up in the Bible. It's beautiful. Beautiful thing. Matthew 5, verse 13. Now, now, check this out as it relates to Jerusalem, God's purpose for Jerusalem. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. What is he saying? A city isn't a geography. A city is a people. When God puts this in this passage, he's showing us that the city isn't really the geographical area that we're in. The city is the people of God who have been saved to represent God to the world in those cities. And so when we look back at Jerusalem, Jerusalem has always been bigger than just it being a beautiful city. It's about the dwelling place of God. I, I wish I had time to talk about Jesus saying, before he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light, no man comes to the Father except by me. Listen to me, before he says that, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, um, 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 he, said, he says, where I am, you may be also. What does that mean? Well, that's pointing to the fact that Jesus is went back to heaven uh, to build the new Jerusalem for us. Now, what is Jerusalem? Jerusalem was the prototype city. 
In other words, Jerusalem was supposed to be the city that was supposed to be a, but every city was supposed to be built at. Let's just go in our Bible again. Hebrews chapter 8. Stay with me. We're just building a foundation. Hebrews chapter 8 talks about the fact that everything in the tabernacle and that God called them to build is a reflection of what's in heaven. As a matter of fact, there's going to be a new Jerusalem, Revelation 21, that comes down from heaven based also on Isaiah, which is going to, we saw new heavens and new earth, and I saw a new Jerusalem. What is the new Jerusalem supposed to be? It's supposed to be the prototype city of what cities look like when God runs it. And so what do we have here? We, have, we're, we, we are God's people in this particular city. That means you are, like Driscoll said, a city of cities, a city within the cities. That we are supposed to be a reflection of God's eternal reign in the new Jerusalem in the way we missionally engage our context. So as God has transformed us by the gospel, that means that God wants us to be where he's called us to be his representatives to the place that he sent us into. I wish I had some help. Y'all real quiet. And so what God is helping us to work through and to think through is what does it look like to engage and see the transformation of, transformational power of the gospel transform the entire world based on it being a reflection of the eternal Jerusalem. That's what we're here for. What, what, what the eternal Jerusalem is supposed to be? It's supposed to be about healing. It's going to be the cleanest city ever. Nice looking city. No more crying, no more dying. But that's not, that's not just for the sweet by and by. God wants us to be trailers in our city. He wants Jesus to be exalted as the king of the true Zion, which is not really a building made with hands, but a people that have been transformed through a cross. And so, and so because of that, now we have why Nehemiah is in despair, why Nehemiah is broken, because the representation of God is down. It's broken. It's messed up. And so now the people are placed there who is redeemed to be able to get more redeemed. Paul, Paul was, uh, Jesus told Paul, don't be afraid to preach in that city. I know they beat you up before. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I have many there who are appointed to eternal life. And so, and so, and so because of that, God elected Israel out of everybody to be his representatives. God elected you to represent him, to be his. Now God calls us to proclaim his gospel in the world so that people's lives can be changed as a reflection of the beauty of the new Jerusalem. Oh, God, 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 I wish I could preach this thing like I wanted to. But, but, but we went on a prayer walk the other day. Hold on, before I, before I talk about the prayer, yeah, I'm going to talk about the prayer walk now. Me, me and about 15 dudes from the, from the ministry went on a prayer walk last week. And, man, we went through, and, and we were just praying. Cass was, Cass was gazing at us. Wow, man, you know what I'm saying, looking at us like, interesting. So one dude down the block, um, you know, they, you could tell they had a little stash down the block. We was walking. They said, um, flash mob, flash mob, you know what I'm saying. Then when they heard prayer going on, because they thought we was a flash mob, a bunch of black men, one white dude walking, you know, <laughs> you know we going down, man. It was great. It was great. And, and, and as we're walking, they think we're flash mob. Then we see, then we see a Muslim woman, nose broke. Nose broke. We praying. We hit the corner. She says, I just need prayer. Can somebody pray for me? My boyfriend's beating me down. Can you pray for me? We begin, we begin praying over her. She breaks down crying. Here's the gospel. Boom. Keep walking. See a Haitian dude from the neighborhood. 
money, money, money was like, yo, what y'all doing, man? Thug looking dude. I ain't know what, I ain't know, I ain't know what's about to happen. You know what I'm saying? I ain't know what was about to, I ain't know what's about to go down. So we started chopping with him. Um, then, then we hit down and we go through all of these neighborhoods praying. Some people just said, thank you. We, we, we get down in Diamond World, make a right, bust it on the other side of the, uh, the project walls, get in the middle. We got mud everywhere. We got, we got, uh, we got mud all on the ground, muddy, muddy, muddy. And then messed up playgrounds, kids everywhere, cats out. Then this young this, and then the men get in the middle. And as the men get in the middle of the project, I said, let's just pray. Then all you could hear was 15 men praying in the middle of the projects, echoing to the recesses of the projects, just praying to the living God. And people hearing all through the projects, men praying, praying on behalf of the city, praying on behalf of the disparages, praying on behalf of salvations, praying on behalf of salvations. And then, 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 then Brother Joe sees some of the kids from his joint, he's dapping them up, hitting them up. He was like, this is crazy. Then we walked down, and then some thugs, they was like, had some teardrops on them. They was like, we, we was like, yo, man. He's like, we good, we good. Then we see another couple, a young lady about 12 to 14 years old say to us, Thank y'all for coming here praying. Then all of a sudden, Chief comes out the house. Chief is the block captain of that particular area of the projects. He said, can y'all come down here every other day? And then we just like, God, dog, God is up to something. Then God starts giving us vision for how we can go here and see God rebuild. And we start talking. It was crazy. Then we began praying prophetically for God to begin doing work down there and saying, God, will you in Jesus' mighty name do a work? Will you do a change here? Will you change us? We began repenting for our lack of missionality. We began asking God for his mercy. to change. Then we hit the corner again. Come out on Diamond Street. We're going back to the building. Three women walk up to us. Boom. One in full Muslim garb and two just chilling. We walk up. She said, listen, I, I, you know, I was a Christian when I grew up, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, my, my brothers and them, they Muslim, so, you know, I just need prayer. I think the blood has touched me. We was like, whoa. Oh, she said, I need, I need the gospel. Am I lying, fellas? Am I lying? She said, we began to share the gospel. I said, okay, hold on, Pop Mobley, pray. Pop Mobley said, oh, God. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about that. Don't even act like you know nothing about that. And he began to pray, and the neighborhood began to shake. Somebody ought to hear me. And, and, and we were in there, and God began to show up in that place. And then the, then the Muslim woman was, was, was going like this. Then we began to share the gospel, tears rolling down her face, hearing the gospel. What am I saying? Let's be the city to this city. It's time. So much opportunity here. But, there, there, but the church, I've spent thousands of hours on my bike and on my feet. That's why I got so many shoes, because I don't want to wear them all out. <laughs> Walking and praying for this neighborhood and asking God to help the church to be the church to this city. Help the church to be the people of God to this city. And so every month, you can come with us, every month on the first and third Sunday, we go on a prayer walk through the community. And then we're starting our long-term programs to develop common ground to reach lost people. The church has done a lot to send, to send people to be missionaries. But the church also needs to be missionaries where it is. And so, and so there has been a loss of representation. As I've walked the community, I've rarely seen God's people doing anything. Our churches are locked up. There is no availability. It broke my heart when young Buck Nasi, uh, um, uh, JD, J, JB, all of them cats was outside little aunt. And they was like, man, y'all got a gym upstairs. Let us get up in there. And I'm just like, Lord. Will you help this to be a common? We're not trying to do social justice. We're trying to see comprehensive gospel change. 
to develop common ground, to see God work. And, and so that's what Nehemiah is about. It's about God's people being the people that God has called them to for his glory in the cities. It says they were, that the people were in trouble and in shame in the text. That word trouble means broken. Brokenness is, means to be smashed, to be injured, to be in misery, to be absolutely shattered by your circumstance. That's what God has called you into. God didn't call you to no pretty ministry. God didn't call you to no pretty ministry, male and female. God wants us getting it in. Somebody ought to hear me in tongues. Listen, listen, God called us to get it in. It's time to get it. It's time. Let's get off. Listen, get off being a consumer. I need a word. I need this. I need to. No, God needs you to do something for his glory in this neighborhood. We're going to make sure you get the word. You're going to get the word. You're going to get your worship on and all of that. But now you got to roll up your dog on sleeves. Consumerism over. That's why one of our core values is commitment. They devoted themselves to the teaching, not just hearing it, but executing it. And listen, if you hear because you want to wave the reform banner, we could care less about that. I'm reformed and I read this. No, why don't you reform some disciples? Make some disciples. Stop, stop. Listen, listen, listen. We know we understand that theology. We love it. But I'm sick of cats that blog and run their mouths and have no letters. Don't have no letters. Ain't led nobody to Jesus. All you do is argue about Jesus, not lead people to Jesus. Wish I had some help. This ain't, we, we off the argumentativism up here in the church. I know I made up a word. No arguments. We ain't just arguing. Now, do we give a reason for the hope within us? Apologia? Yes, we do. But, 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 but listen, we're not about beating up people theologically. We're about loving them. Oh, come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. I want God to sweep through here with all the white people, all the Asian people, all the Lats, all of the blacks, all of the international, all the Europeans. We got some European. Listen, Africans. We want to incarnate the glory of Christ in this city. It's time. It's time to rebuild. It's time to join God on mission and what he's been doing since eternity past. And so now, listen, listen, if you just here because you want, you want to, uh, I mean, we off that. We off that. If you came to hear your favorite preacher, we off that. If, nah, y'all, y'all, never mind. Some of y'all missed it. Some of y'all missed it. Some of y'all missed it. It's, it's, it's time for us to reflect real Jesus-centered theology. That's, you're going to have to learn how to share your faith. You have to learn. And uh, let me say this. I said this at the first gathering. Those of you who are Anglo, you have to understand, as we minister in the community, you have to be even more extra sensitive. Because of living here, there is a perception of whites that we have to get the, over the barrier of because some of the people in the neighborhood don't like white people. So we're not saying that to be mean. I'm just telling you what I know from living here. And that means we have to be very sensitive to how you're used in outreach because that's called contextualization. And so because of that, we, we, this not, we're not saying white people get out. That's not what we're saying. Like, so don't get out here. See, I knew he was going to get black on me with all of his jeans and stuff. I knew it. No, that's not. Listen. That's not what I'm saying. That's not, come back, come back, come on back in. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a lack of black male presence in this neighborhood. 
They need to see husky black men with their children at the playground. Wish I had some help. Rebuilding the city sometimes is just being a regular family in the context. They've never seen a redeemed single person that keep their legs closed and wait on God. Oh, help me, somebody. Listen, when we talk about rebuilding a city, when we talk about rebuilding a city, they ain't never seen no dude actually pay his child support. Listen, I need somebody right now to join us on mission today in Jesus' name. It's time to get at it. The city's in trouble. And he sent you in as his special ops team to get at it. Special ops get locked and loaded. That's why we went through spiritual warfare, so you can learn how to be the SWAT team for real, for real. It's time to get your SWAT on. It's time to get it in. And listen, we need all hands on deck because it's a war, baby. Men and women, big time. I'm praying that God give us an apartment ministry right in the middle of that. We rent the apartment, and there's an incarnational presence there in the middle of the project. I, oh, I, I'm, I wait till Wednesday. But listen, we need to move forward in faith. Look what the text says. It says, it says, and he mourned for many days. Have you mourned? Have you mourned for the state of God's people? Have you mourned for the state of the city? Have you cried? on behalf of the African-Americans around in this neighborhood and the Latinos. You don't have to be black to cry about that. They're people. <laughs> have you wept? Have you just said, Philly's just dirty, Philadelphia? <laughs> That's not a right attitude. Have you wept? Then he said, that he, he cried, the, the period of time was four months. Between the time where he prayed and the time where he went before all exerces. Four months, and he prayed and fasted. That means he walked in faith. He said, I'm going to seek God about this. I'm going to seek God's face about this. Listen, I know everybody wants to increase. I know everybody wants their purpose. I know everybody wants to get in their season. Everybody wants that. That's an easy sermon to preach. I can slay the church room, close, and do all that. This is your season. This is your time. You're like, yeah, it's my time. It's my time to shine and all of that. Oh, God, help me. Let's shine together for his glory, for him to be seen. Anything that God uses to benefit. Listen, I pray that we get on our faces together as a church. We cry out to God. I'm expecting and believing God. I'm believing him in Jesus' name that he's going to do a work in this city. But he's not going to do it apart from people. And once we rub up against churches that are different than ours in this community, don't you blast them. We're in a new season as a church. That Epiphany Fellowship is over. It's dead. Even if it's a, we don't have women pastors here, but listen, if you run across a woman pastor, you call the pastor, don't get all into, what are you doing being in the role you're in? <laughs> you know, shut your mouth. Because unbelievers don't know the difference. All they know is these are Christians. They don't know all our little doctrinal differences if they're believers. It's a time where we as believers can engage in that. But listen, all of that, all of that arguing ain't saved nobody's soul. Y'all, let's get at it. Let's pray and let's hit the block. We re resurrecting the street team, getting the harvesters going, getting ministry going on to be able to shine Jesus like, like, like you wouldn't believe. I'm ready to get it.
And so let's, next week we're going to spend time in, pr- in what it means to pray for the city. What does it mean to pray, really, that God would reestablish the cloud of his glory on his people? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask, not can, is what you actually ask, or think, according to the power that is at work within you, to him be glory in the church and through Jesus Christ. Where is God's glory rest? You are the tabernacle of the Spirit. And his glory rests on you to be his representatives to this world. And I pray right now, in Jesus' name, that we would be your tabernacle, God. That we would be your presence to the city. That we would be rebuilt to build. That, Lord God, that we wouldn't be up on spiritual hazing. But, God, that you would saturate us with your presence. Saturate us with your glory, God. And, God, we believe in you for souls. We believe in you for souls. Lord God, we want to we see you reach gum-popping, switching, sagging, hat-backwards people from our neighborhood. That's my family. That's what they like. That's what I was like. I was once them dudes. I was the weed smoker God with the dark lips, smoking roaches, rolling blunt. I was that dude after honeys on the block, and somebody shared Jesus Christ with me. God, do stuff that doesn't make the news, God. In Jesus, Lord God, transform, Lord God, move into the project houses. Move into bunk beds in Jesus' mighty name, God. Move into the neighborhood. Move into the 75 drug strips that, that, that's two miles in each direction from here and prepare drug dealers to put down their burners and put up their hands to Jesus Christ, God. God, I pray, God, that you would bring attention to your name. Bring attention to Jesus. Make Jesus glorified. Make Jesus honored in this neighborhood so that the people of God, we may be the people that you've called us to be in this city, God. God, go down to the recesses of Philbert. Go down to the resources of Uber. Go down Diamond Street. Go in the Strawberry Mansion, God. Go on 21st Street, 20th Street, 25th Street, 18th Street, 17th Street, Cecil B. Moore, Montgomery, Burks, uh, 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 Oxford, Allegheny, Erie, Lehigh, every back street, every, every small home, every big home, every corridor, every condo. Get them, God. Help us to humbly represent your reign. Help us not to look at people who have messed up lives and act like we weren't messed up too. Help us not to judge, but to love. Help us to judge rightly. But Lord God, help us to love. Help us to meet pregnant women who are in crisis and love them. Bless this church. Raise up spiritual mothers and fathers in this place. That's what we're asking for, God. Raise up, touch the teenagers. Touch the teenagers who robbed Mark on the corner the other day. Took all his stuff, God. Touch the people who were on my block last night trying to break in our cars, God. Last night, 
Touch them cats down on the other side of 18th Street, God, who smoke weed all day and wait for people, and they rob people running capers. Touch them. Touch the praying grandmother who feels trapped because all of her children, her grandchildren live with her and not with her children. Touch her. Touch the, uh, touch the abandonment. Touch the daddies. Touch the baby mamas. Touch the baby dad. Touch them, God. Touch them, God. And touch the college students in this neighborhood. Will you bridge the chasm between the residents of this neighborhood and Temple University? We beg you for it, God. And we know that you can only do it. Look, I help us not to punk out. We're going to experience opposition. That's a part of mission. We'll see that when we get to chapter 5, God. But God, that doesn't stop us from plowing for your name. So God, be honored, be glorified, and be praised in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Somebody ought to give God a hand praise. It says everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let's thank him in advance. Let's bless him in advance for the reception of his work in his neighborhood.